Welcome to the Good Listening To show on UK Health Radio with me, Chris Grimes. The feel-good show that brings you The Clearing, where all good questions come to be asked and all good stories come to be told. And where all my guests have two things in common. They're all creative individuals and all with an interesting story to tell. There are some lovely storytelling metaphors. A clearing, a tree, a storytelling exercise called 54321, some alchemy, some gold, some Shakespeare and a cake. So yes, who are you, what's your story and what life's lessons learned along your way would you like to share with us? So, welcome to a GLT with me, CG. See what I'm doing there and we're recording. Well, I bid you welcome, welcome, thrice welcome to another very exciting episode of The Good Listening To, Your Life and Times with me, Chris Grimes, here on UK Health Radio and also in the uh, Buzzsprout podcasting space. And for her time in the clearing, I'm absolutely delighted to welcome Annalisa Paul, who I think of as being a positive pants. She is a storyteller. We've riffed a lot together over many years of going for walks and our children being at school together and just the various connections that we have. She's all about the story. And just to blow extra smoke at you, uh, Annalisa Paul, you've given me a really good construct over time, which is the three concentric circles of storytelling. And I sort of metaphorically and literally love you for that. So thank you very much. So uh, welcome, welcome, thrice welcome, Annalisa Paul. Thank you. Thank you so much, Mr. Grimes. Very happy to be in the clearing with you. Bless you. And that's a delicious segue. The clearing, just to mention this, it's where the podcast and the uh, and the show takes place. And the clearing is where all good questions come to get asked that you'll find and all good stories come to get told. Sort of think Desert Island Discs, but in a clearing. And here we are. So, yes, I'm going to batch you along the metaphors of the clearing, a tree. There's some apples to fall out of that tree. There'll be some alchemy, some gold, a cheeky bit of Shakespeare and a cake. So it's absolutely all to play for. So a surprising question, first of all, for you, Annalisa Paul, is um, how's morale? What's your story of the day, please? My story of the day is that it is incredibly hot today. It is so hot, 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 hot. It's about 30 degrees, I think, and we're only at 11.14 a.m., so I um, had spent this morning out with my, my little black dog, who, as you can imagine, needs to go out very early on a day like this. We had a lovely dewy walk and I'm now laying back as I intend to do for the rest of the day. Do very, very little, stay very, very still. Because that's a really polite way of saying it's all a bit sweaty here in Bristol today. <laughs> and by the way, bless you. Chris, you would see me lifting up my arms there, which is maybe way no, too I, I didn't do that at all. If you're watching the gorgeous Annie Lisa Paul on the Vimeo uh, version of this too, you can ha- take a good butcher's at our, at our conversation as well if you'd like to. And by the way, you always have a room illuminating smile. I'm not just being nice to you, but if ever you, I see you, it's always like a breath of fresh air. And also, I love your sense, memory, evocation of storytelling, even with your dewy walk with your black dog. I, I saw what you did there. Very lovely. <laughs> yeah so keep very very still as it's very very hot if hey, that's good advice for all I weathers i think not to move i've got my water i've got company what else do i need 
So you're a storyteller, you're a well-being coach, you're a creative project coordinator. When I was Googling about you, I saw also you've got a diploma in management, uh, which has no expiration date. No. <laughs> so it's just going to go on. <laughs> it's going to go on forever. So um, you also have a newsletter and at the very end of this, uh, it, which you do pertaining to Wellbeing Wednesday, you're all about other people's well-being and you're a very generous um, spirit in that space, if I may say. You're like a well-being sprite, if I may. <laughs> I love that. A trickster has always been uh, my character of choice. And, um, and now that you've just aligned me with Puck, I think. Uh, I have. I'm very happy. You'd be a very good puck, absolutely. A a playful sprite with a I don't know if you've got a wicked sense of humor, but maybe you have because Puck is a little bit he's a little bit cheeky, or, or she's a little bit cheeky, shall we say? Let's let's see what airs itself in the clearing, Chris. Let, so do you know what? I like you. You're doing delicious segues because you know that I'm trying to curate a 45 minute story with your time in the clearing. So Annalisa Paul, uh, you are all about the story, and I I sincerely admire you and and uh, Thank you for that, because as I say, you've given me something very rich over the many conversations we've had. Uh, and, and I would invite you to tell the three concentric stories of, uh, sorry, circles of storytelling story at some point, because it is indeed your construct. So um, a clearing then, let's get going. Where is a clearing for you, Annalisa Paul? Where do you get clutter-free, inspirational and able to think, please? Well... I have been thinking about this and I've been thinking this is maybe a very odd answer, but I actually feel most clearest in between things. So in the boundaries of things. So at the spaces of change between the inside and the outside or between the calm and the restless in those moments where you're transitioning. That's where I feel really clear. I, and I mean that in the kind of my mind feels sharp. I feel ready. And I think it's that kind of gazelle moment. When, you, when you're, you know, a gazelle, maybe, or a deer, we should talk about deers, we don't have gazelles in this country, deer, let's say a deer, a roe deer, ambling through the forest, and you get to that boundary where there's the clearing, and all of a sudden you're sort of alert, aren't you, and, and you're poised and ready, and taking it all in, and I think that's why I love that, that boundary space, um, and then I was thinking, well, how, do, you know, how, how can I really kind of uh, make that into a visual thing or, or help people to understand that? But I think trains, Chris, trains. I went on a train for the first day in months and months and months on Friday it was. I went on a train just from Bristol to Bath. So very short train ride, about 15 minutes. And I just, I love that kind of real, like it's a sort of wobbles, doesn't it? The wobbles and you've got the slow kind of clunking thing. And there's countryside's gently unfolding past you and then you go in some light industry and then all of a sudden you're at a stop. But in that space between, you've just had to sort of sit there and watch the world go by. And that for me is clearing. It's, it's really calming um, and gentle and I love it. I love the idea of it being the segue between moments or pockets of activity so there's the calm before the storm you didn't say that explicitly but i'm hearing just the idea of a segue <laughs> i wonder if you'd enjoy riding on a segue those new devices <laughs> um but also i loved your I idea and I love the idea of, uh, you talked about a deer, you know, in the thicket just before the clearing and there's something about the sunlight of the clearing that's drawing us towards it which is really lovely mm. so I'm, i i find that delicious and very relatable thank you 
yeah no it's it's fine uh, that's that's where I came to and then the other two places where I came to were um were cold water I think you know I've been doing a lot of, of swimming over the last year and that's been uh, very clearing for for different reasons as in to get into that cold water you actually I find have to go completely blank and empty your mind literally clear it because otherwise no one in their right mind will get into it it's freezing. <laughs> It's that moment when you're at the top of the steps going, oh, why am I doing this? I really don't want to. Um, and you'll never, ever take that step into that cold water unless you totally clear out your head and just do it without thinking. And I love that. And I love that about improvisation, as you know, too. It's kind of just stepping into the unknown. Well, I suppose there is a link there, isn't there, between the deer and stepping into the unknown. Yeah. And then and then the also um, the, the sleep, sleep is another transitional space which I love. You know, how can how can anyone not say their head is cleared by sleep? Oh, mm. delicious. I love it. My mum used to call me a dormouse when I was little because I slept for hours and hours and hours. I love that. Cool. Uh, just uh, the dreamscape as well, not necessarily the twilight zone that can make it sound a bit sort of suspect, but that sort of half wake, half asleep. I'm really getting the sort of crossing point between two universes or two scapes. I'm loving that. So in that lovely, very connected answer, I'm now going to arrive with a tree a bit waiting for Godot-esque in your clearing to shake your tree to see which storytelling apples fall out, Annalisa Paul. So you you can now be really clear about where exactly um, you'd like me to arrive with my sort of slightly comic shrubbery to begin to shake it for you. <laughs> comic shrubbery, brilliant. Um, where I'd like you to arrive. So um, do you want me to tell you what apples are falling off the tree? Do you want me to tell you about the shape of this tree? Well, it's more about the geography. It's the geography of the tree because you've got this lovely segueing. I'm either going to be in a dreamscape, uh, a clearing, a bit doe, a deer, you know, the deer going towards mm -hmm. the clearing. It's just where you'd like to base your tree for the rest of the storytelling construct. Oh, my goodness. Let's go to dreamland. We could be anywhere. Oh, I like that. So here we are in Dreamland. Just just talk me through what's just immediately around us within Dreamland. Okay, so I think in Dreamland, when you start entering that dreamy space, um, there's an infinite, there's infinite possibilities, infinite directions, and you're kind of floating. So I don't know where this tree is. Um, have you ever watched Stranger Things? Did you I have. Things? Yeah. So, you know, when they go, I mean, it's a bit dark, isn't it? But when they go into the underneath, I think it's called, and it, everything's kind of pitch black, but then things come out of the blackness. So this is this is my dreamscape is we're, we're entering a black, black box in theatre land, but in dreamland, a black infinite space. And wonderful things are going to start arriving and we're going to create this beautiful story out of them. I'm hearing fireflies of the mind that start to sort of flap towards us. I love that with their with their bums illuminating. <laughs> yeah, it's so attractive. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, they can be facing the other way. It's fine. But I love the fact that it's dark, but then stories are going to appear as if flashes of light emerge in the darkness. And by the way, in storytelling land, as I know you know as well, this is the idea of the golden thread. Even in the darkness, if you look down, there will be a golden thread somewhere that can help pull you towards your future and continue your narrative. 
I love that. So here we are with a tree, and this is where you've been kind enough, Annalisa Paul, to have thought about five things. Sorry, you've had five minutes to have thought about four things that have shaped you, three things that inspire you, two things that never fail to grab your attention, or squirrels borrow from the film up, and then one quirky or unusual fact about you that we couldn't possibly know until you tell us. They are, it's your canopy to shake, so shake the apples and crunch as you see fit. What would you like to talk about first? Oh, let's go five, four, three, two, one. So five things, four things that have shaped me. I had five minutes, four things that have shaped me. And um, this one, wow. I mean, my mind just goes, boom. Do I speak about pre me, post me? Where do I go? Um, and do I speak about the society that shaped me? There's so many things, but I thought, um, you know, I haven't got the intellectual capacity to deal with all of that. So let's just talk about four very simple things. <laughs> I like um, that you've blown your own mind before you start. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, it's a it's a running theme in my life. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I I guess we could we could start at childhood and work upwards, which I, I expect is a running theme in this show. But why not? Let's go backwards. So let's start where we are now. So I think the pandemic has and it shaped us all. Yes. I think for me, um, the shape that's given me is, I think, and this is probably true for, for some people at least, is that it's brought into sharp focus. What on earth are you doing? And do you still want to do it? Wow, yes. Um, and so for me, it's kind of really accelerated this link that I have um, with well-being and thinking about wellness and how I, how I want to use that in my life and to help others and I think that that's that it's so important to me actually I hadn't quite realized all the connections over my life but I know you're you you know this as well Chris and you will have listened to many people unfolding the connections as a coach um that when you start with something and say you know let's say the word wellness and then you can start to make all these connections over your life about what what that means to you how you've experienced that and that then becomes the story of wellness for you um and when i looked at that i thought actually do you know i have i have um professional experience of, of the wellness space um personal experience and i'm now working uh, at the university west of england um in the arts faculty and the creative people that I see around me using their creative practice to support their wellness um, is incredible and fascinating. And that's really where I'm taking my work now. So that's the way that the pandemic has shaped me and it's given me, and I think linking back to that kind of the clearing and, and being on the edge of things. And that's where I get uh, a lot of my energy from. And so this has given me energy to go, okay, well, what, what can I do with what I have, what resources I have, what can I give to those around me? Um, and how can how can I how can I use that best really in the world? So that that's yeah, starting now, what shaped me now. And I love the founding principle there of you saying, what on earth am I doing and do I still want to do it? That's such a really brilliant sort of reckoning point. I love mm. that. Mm. Well, I think it's such a question, you know, I I I mean, if it's not too massive, I think you should ask yourself in the shower every morning, what am I doing? And do I still want to do it? Because quite often, you know, we kind of live in this in this uh, routine or like habitual way of living. 
Absolutely. which is fine. There's no, nothing wrong with that. But I think it's good practice to ask yourself quite frequently, just checking in with yourself, because, you know, this, this is going to segue on to my next theme, which is near-death experiences. God forgive, none of us want to be in a near-death experience and go, oh, God, I didn't do all those things I wanted to do. You know, and, and I think that that has come from the other things that have shaped me, which are near-death experiences. Tell me more. Tell so, us more. Uh, these, these are my own near-death experiences and those of others around me. So um, we're going to sort of jump back to childhood now. And um, yeah, my, my father was an alcoholic. So I experienced the life of an addict and how that affects people around you at quite a young age. He was also manic depressive and at times suicidal, was sectioned. And so mental health really uh, was there, right there for me, all through my childhood. And um, and that that for me is uh, was a really big learning in, in near-death experiences, not just with the suicidal nature of it, but I think in addiction as well, not quite um, being there and kind of almost giving up that kind of giving up very early on so um that was kind of the family experience but then I also had a near-death experience at the age of 12 so um as we know that's kind of puberty age and I started feeling pains um in the, in my, my abdomen in the, in the right side um and I just sort of had days at school where I'd get the, the school receptionist to call my mum because I was like, you know, in pain. And then as children do get fobbed off and go, oh, don't be silly, just get on with it. Um, so I got on with it. And then I and, and then I kind of developed haliotosis as well. So, so bad breath, which as a child is painfully embarrassing. Um, and this all kind of culminated in a point where I couldn't get out of bed. Um, and I was experiencing real pain. And again, I think my mum having four children and, and, a, and a husband who was really unwell um, sort of was in the get on with it stage yeah. um, and, and said, well, you know, maybe you're just getting your period. Now, having never had my period before, I thought, oh, I don't, I don't, I, this can't be it. I can't experience this every month. God, this is awful. I can't get out of bed. So I said, no, mum, I don't think it is. So eventually she took me to the doctor. And um, it was the family doctor. I not many people have this these days. I certainly don't, where you have a doctor who knows your whole family. And yeah. he said to me, jump up on the couch. If you can get up on the couch, you're probably fine. So I'm 12. Of course I can jump up on the couch, even if I'm in severe pain. So I jump up on the couch, get sent home. And the next day I'm in even more pain. My mum wow. obviously starts to think, hang on a minute, what's going on here? So she takes me back to the doctor, at which point I can't jump up on the couch. And um, he feels along my abdomen and says, gosh, I think actually it's a really acute case of appendicitis. So you need to drive her to the hospital now, he said to my mum. So we, we hop in our in our old white Mercedes Benz estate, um, drive and we're in the countryside. So this is like, you know, a half hour drive minimum to the nearest hospital. So start driving. And it was a, a summer, actually, midsummer. So I was on school holidays. And I'm, my mum, which she always did when we were six, she sat in the front seat and wound the seat right down. So you're sort of reclining in the front of the Mercedes like that, holding on to onto my abdomen. And all of a sudden I felt a pop, <gasps> physically felt this pop. Got to the hospital. 
and really couldn't get out of the car. So um, my mum ran in and got a wheelchair, ran, came to the car door with it. I got in. She ran me in through the A&E um, and they rushed me to a bed where a doctor saw me and said, right, we're going to operate in one hour. You've got acute peritonitis by this point, which we're going to see first. Bennett, yes. So, um, yeah, an hour later, I'm in surgery. And sorry for the listeners amongst you who are um, a little bit sensitive to this. You might want to close your ears. They took a pint and a half of pus out of me. Oh. 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 Um, and a tiny little bit of appendix, which they gave me in a jar. And so, so uh, yeah, so I kind of hadn't I really thought about it for years. And I've obviously got this scar here. Yes, but I hadn't, I hadn't really thought about it. But actually, that experience um, really brought in sharp focus the fact that you could go at any time. Yes, being twelve and having and then being told sort of you've got an hour to live essentially really made me feel like wow, you know. And if I may, just the notion of the is so profound. The idea that you 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 felt a pop and and life is almost in your, you know, segueing between the two places, as is your clearing, it's a pop between two places. And it, it you know, wow, I love that. Yeah. It's incredibly profound. You can literally pop off at any time. So, so um, or drop off as some people say, sorry, that's a dog. So, um, so yeah, there we are. That's my second thing that's shaped me. Very profound shaping so far to be continued. Keep going. Hmm. So um, obviously, loving stories, I, I contrast near death with life, the fullness of life. Um, and God, I love it. And I hope I am here for a long, long time. Um, I don't intend to retire. I hate it when they ask you those questions on financial stuff. They say, what will be your retiring age? And I have a retiring age because I intend to do what I love forever. You know, I think if you're a creative person, why would you, why would you end that? Um, so, exactly yeah so that my my um and I'll come on to creativity which is the the fourth thing that shaped me but life um you know as you know Chris because you have children as well and having my children I'm sure many people have come on this and said that it shaped them if they haven't I don't know why because children are just the most fantastic bringers of life they find joy in the simplest things. If you've ever walked with a toddler along the street, you'll know you don't get very far, but it doesn't matter because everything is fascinating to them. Absolutely fascinating. And I just, for me, you know, I took a long time off with my children because as soon as I had my first, and by the way, just so everyone listening, I wasn't the kind of person who always wanted children. Um, it was an accident I know but it was a lovely and very happy accident and when um, I had my first daughter I realized even though I was in an executive job at a young age um, uh, was the business manager which is the way that management thing comes from yes business manager, uh, for the sanctuary spa which was an all-female day spa in the center of Covent Garden um, with a was quite a big deal at the age of, of 26 and I had this beautiful baby and I just thought, you know what? I'm never, ever going to get this time back, ever. And probably because my appendix popped at the age of 12, I knew <laughs> that I would never get this time back. And that was more important than anything, any career or any financial reward or anything. 
And so, you know, I had a chat with my partner um, and we essentially decided to live off lentils and, and I would stay I home. I love that. And, um, and, anyway, what a yeah, great expression. Um, Can I just say what yeah. a great expression, live off lentils. The humility in that is so lovely. Because it's hard, you know, you don't, you don't have the things that other people have if you choose to be a stay-at-home mum. You, you can't have the flashy holidays and the cars and the house. You can't do it unless unless your partner's very high earner. So you have to make this choice. And um and I'm not painting it as a perfect picture. You know, we had we had our we've had really high highs and real lows um, as a couple. And um, financially, it's been really hard. And there have been times when I've been I've probably you know had poor mental health and not recognised it. But I would never give it up for the world because. I will never get that time back for my children and to see their first little steps to be in complete awe with them and looking at the simplest things and just finding them fascinating that has enriched me I think as a person more than more than anything ever can and if I may there's there's life on lentils because that's the pulse of life and I love the fact you're present for that that's so oh, lovely Chris. hey see what I did there by the way, it's very, very relatable. Um, your, I know your, your, your first daughter, Isla, is the same age as my son, Stan. And that's how we met, because our kids were in the same class together way back when. How lovely. Both gorgeous, gorgeous human beings. They certainly are. And this is lovely, by the way. I'm really enjoying your delicious shapeaging, madam. Brilliant. <laughs> Good. Good. Yeah, so, so, shall we, so shall we move on to the creative side? Let's do that. Let's do that. So um, lots of bits of story in between. We arrive in Bristol with this beautiful little baby. Um, she is, I think, around two. And I don't know anyone in Bristol at all. And we've moved from North London. Um, and I'm, how old am I? 28, 29. Um, and Anthony's busy making work connections and doing the work thing. And so I am with this baby and we're wheeling around the buggy Well, I'm wheeling around the buggy with her in it. And we're exploring Bristol by foot because we don't have a car. So we're just walking, walking for miles probably every day. I mean, now I zoom around Bristol and I think, God, we really do walk for miles every day. <laughs> great way, great way to discover the city. Um, and it's it's that kind of city, isn't it? You can you can walk it. So yes. Um, yeah that was that was a fabulous way to discover it anyway so i'm walking up to the downs with isla in the buggy and i walk past the bristol old brick theater school and i think oh my gosh this is it the place i was meant to go and i just feel do you know have you ever felt that kind of magnetic connection to someone or something absolutely yeah yeah so i just feel this magnetism and then i start walking that that way a little bit more you know maybe a couple of times a week and then a couple more times a week until it's every day and I'm looking in in the dance studio windows thinking oh I wish I was in there um and then I just thought you know I have had this chip on my shoulder at that point for many many years from the age of 16 when I was asked what are you going to do with your life and I said I want to be an actor and the uh the the harsh comment back i feel was well that's never going to make you any money so you better think of something else so i kind of was shut down and um and i resented it for a long time um but 
at that point of magnetism with the old Vic Theatre School, I thought, well, you know, you don't have to blame that on someone else. You can do something to change this. Um, and then you go through the whole like, oh, but I've got a little baby and I don't have any money, blah, 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 blah. This is crazy. What am I going to do? Um, but I thought, well, just go in, just go in, take that first step, walk in that door and ask. And so I did. Um, and discovered that, of course, the training is incredibly intense and incredibly expensive, and it wasn't for me, but there was an option because um, a couple of the teachers had fantastically um, put together a um, course for people like me, for people who wanted to study with the best of the best in um, a place that was totally suited for it. Um, and it was an evening and weekends over two years training for actors so I, I did it and after two years um I thought wow this is it I'm going to be be an actor and then I got pregnant again <laughs> 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 oh what am I going to do anyway so uh, lots of the people who'd studied for two years wanted to do more and I did too so we managed to convince the teachers one's called Gary Oston and the other one was Pamela and I wouldn't say Rudge but I'm not quite sure if that's right um so the two of them had set up this course it's not Pamela Rudge she's the voice coach isn't she I believe so the name's familiar but but I'm not sure I was going to yeah. ask you who the teachers yeah. were because obviously I was jammy enough to go there myself to the Orbit Theatre School yeah. so I was wondering who the people were that set it up. Yeah no so it's Gary and um, I, I think she was called she was the movement coach and he was voice and then we also had song and, and dance and everything so um, yeah so I we did this extra year my cohort had had managed to convince the teachers to give us an extra year and I went in Chris and I had to do these warm-ups and I was breastfeeding and oh my gosh it was horrendous I you know if you've ever breastfed before or known people who breastfed it leaks and let's just say that it leaks otherwise <laughs> known as lactating please thank you very much indeed Here we. Yeah. yes but I was determined so I did it I did the third year and then came out and went, oh, brilliant, I'm going to be an actress. And then went, oh, but how am I going to do that with two babies? So, you know, I kind of had these, these push and pull moments. And, yes. and I did manage to do some work. But again, I kept coming back to the pull of, of the family and just going, do you know what? I'm never going to get this time back with these, yes. with these little things. And do I really want to go and tour? And do I really want to go and shoot films on location and be away from them for hours? And I've... I'm, I've got a wonderful sister-in-law who's a, who's a, who's a film producer and she you know, has, is amazing at all the things she does, but she does have to spend periods of time away from her children. And, um, and I didn't want to do that. So I made that choice and life is all about choices. It is. But I learned amazing things, which I do believe I use day to day anyway. Um, and I think one of the, the, which I know you love as well, but one of the tools I use every day is yes and because the power of that is incredible and i know you talk about it a lot so let's talk about it together everyone should say yes they and. should and the universe opens up in a yes and universe absolutely categorically also i'm so struck with your courage in walking through that door because an adage i've struck on recently which i really think is profound is the difference in life between what you want and what you get is what you do 
And I love the fact that it, it hooked you in. It was seducing you over time, walking past, walking past. And then the fateful day came when you ee, opened the door. Yes, and and walked inside. Well, you have to, don't you? Because otherwise you're always on the outside and you're always going, oh, I wish I was over there. Yes. And, and why not just walk over there and see? And, you know, you might get there and think, oh, I didn't. Oh, God, <laughs> what is this place? It looked much better from a distance. But also you... that, that courage to know that once the door has opened, yes, and it's not a perfect universe through that doorway. You've got to adapt to it because, of course, you know, acting sounds incredibly glamorous, but there is a, a hard graft and a harsh reality to it. You know, and and you know, I, I just really commend your the fact you did it for three years and, and you've, you're forged through and, and you do work in the creative space in a way where you're all about story. So, you know, success in inverted commas, as we know, is relative. Um, you know, I, too, have been on a, a path of, of exploration and discovery. You know, it's not the answer. Your life has got to ebb and flow and change. I love that. But that is the that is the joy of um, developing a creative mindset, I think, is is that, you know, I really see that space um where I did that learning as developing my creative mindset you know really it wasn't wasted because I didn't become an actor it gave me a bountiful toolkit to do yes. life with and to explore with um and to communicate with my god you know I've, I think I've said that to you and I say to countless people everyone should study drama everyone should study it because it isn't about the the script it's about learning how to respond to people and to respond Listen. to yourself yeah. you know and yeah. it's the concentric story rings that you spoke about at the beginning it's about looking inside so that you can play outside because you understand what's there yes absolutely I'm, i keep saying yes in response to what you've said anyway actually um and as we know the opposite is that as grown-ups particularly we're much more hardwired to no but no but no but as we self-limit ourselves so saying yes more is just a really profound thing and it is the building blocks of creativity yes and and of course where confidence comes from where collaboration comes from where listening comes from i, I love this mm. and also you know that another another add-on to that 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 i that I've learned from from um, my children is, you know, when they say I can't do that, um, and it's not just children, adults, as we know, say that a lot too, and we say it to ourselves a lot too. I I can't do that, like I did when I said, you know, I've got children. How can I do? It? I can't do it. But actually, if you add the word yet, and I'm sure you've come across this, and you say I can't do that yet, it becomes a possibility, yes. and it's about those crossing those thresholds, opening those doors allowing yourself to have possibility beyond what you think is possible right now. And again, there's that lovely bridge coming full circle to your clearing of itself anyway, that idea of the, 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 the threshold between one airlock, one reality and the other. Yeah, and, 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 it's, and it's, yeah, looking around you, what is, what is here, what is now, but what lies over there? Yes. And you have to walk across it to find out. Indeedy doody. And Annie, if I may, uh, I'm really there. There is a time dynamic to what we're doing here. And I've got an instinct which has only happened once before in the curation of the Good Listening To show is I'm pretty sure that we're not going to be able to get us through in time in a really good way. So I would like to invite us, if you don't mind, to do a part one and a part two. Would that be OK oh, with you? That sounds fabulous. I would love to do that. Thank you. Uh, because we're actually just at the point of finishing shaking your tree.
-hmm. and there's much much more juicy apples crunches akimbo to come because we've also then got to go through the rest of the shapages and then there's the alchemy and the gold which you're giving me by the bucket load there is the cheeky bit of shakespeare and there is a cake so um we've got to the end of five things that have shaped you haven't sorry the four things that have shaped you haven't we at this point yeah i i think so i mean you know as you know i can go on and on and on but yes let's get and by the way this is really lovely so um there was a previous um uh, person within the clearing uh, who is a, a, a another improviser actually someone called Phelan McDermott and, and we were talking about dream doors at the point of transitioning between part one and two and if I may I'm going to borrow his construct and it's yours too because you've talked about segueing between one part to another I'm going to use a dream door again please ladies and gentlemen to segue between part one and part two of the Good Listening To show here on UK Health Radio and as part of the podcast space eventually when you can hear the lovely um Annie, Lisa, Paul in a wanna because I will put the whole episode together as one thing on Buzzsprout. So um, because I think we've come up to time already, um, you've been listening. Anything else you'd like to say at this point just before we segue using the dream door between part one and two? I am opening that dream door and I'm stepping through it. I'll see you on the other side. So you've been listening to the Good Listening To show. So uh, until part two, to your good health and... Goodbye. I'm just going to stop recording there. Oh, now oh. hold your horses. Um, <laughs> Annie, we're, we're still here. Um, this is Annalisa Paul. Um, I've just announced very proudly that we're now coming up to end of part one. But actually, having now got the film to download, hashtag awkward, we're going to blame the heat, aren't we, Annalisa Paul? Oh, yeah, it's definitely here, the heat. Here in Brussels, it's pushed nearly 32 degrees. Um, sweat right there if you will and yes so um we're going to do the dream door in 10 minutes time but so we're all about segues and annie's Annalisa's clearing is all about you know the bridging point between you know being in the thicket and the clearing so we're going to use this as sort of captain's log supplemental clearing and it gives us the wonderful opportunity to allow uh, the wonderful annalisa paul to um tell us more about your wonderful uh well-being wednesday resilience newsletters that you've been doing beautifully during the course of the pandemic which is when I think you've got it going so so tell us more about Wellbeing Wednesdays if you will. Okay so Wellbeing Wednesday is a newsletter that is personal and it's from the heart um, it has a very small readership uh, which is kind of as it's intended to be but it can grow it's there to help very busy people remember to look after their well-being because how easy is it to go from day to day to day to day to day to day to day and forget to do something for yourself so i'm just like a little newsletter that pops up in your inbox when when you're least expecting it because it's bi-weekly so you've probably forgotten when the last one was and it just arrives there and then hopefully it has a tiny little nugget in it to make you go oh yes i remember I can do that thing for me. And a little bit about, it's about giving you a little bit of permission because I find quite often when I'm talking to people um, about looking after themselves and, and they find that it's quite hard actually to go like, yeah, I, I deserve that. I, I deserve to go for that run, to go for that meal, to um, have that night out or, you know, to sit down and have 10 minutes for a cup of tea. You know, a I... simple thing. 
well, the I, simple thing that's what wellbeing wednesday looks and like. it's very very congruent with your sprite like puck like capability to just suddenly pop up spontaneously with an acorn i'm going back into the forest again with an acorn of of help and what i love about your whole focus on resilience you know self-care the opposite of what is self-neglect and so you're there sprite like to pop up puck up <laughs> to bucker up to pucker us all up with a bit of resilience. So would you like to share an example of one of your um, one of your Wellbeing Wednesday posts, please? Sure, well, let's take um, the last one, seeing as it's the most current. Um, the last one was about being alone and not lonely. And it's really a look at loneliness. Um, you may know uh, that loneliness is becoming an epidemic of, of itself, um, especially during the pandemic when people are being isolated. But even before that, actually with the rise of social media, people are becoming more and more disconnected. And this isn't me being funny about social media, it's, it's a known fact. You know, we, we can all sit in our homes with our families all on different devices. And that level of disconnect can make people feel lonely. I love the um, Beatles song, you know, when the line says two can be as lonely as one. And, and if you've ever been in a relationship, you'll know how, how true that is. So I, um, I took myself out for dinner. I took myself out for dinner and I went to the most beautiful pub I know, which is called the Freshford Inn. And it sits along the banks of, of the beautiful River Avon. Um, and it's just a quintessential English village, really. It's absolutely beautiful. Um, and it's got this kind of old school charm about it. So I, I went it to the Freshford Inn, took a table for one and sat there. And you know, when you sit down in a restaurant, if you, uh, you probably have been through a stage, even if you're not at it now, where that feels incredibly awkward and you feel like everyone's looking at you and you just feel like the, the loser, the loner in the corner. And I thought, actually, I'm, I'm going to switch out because that's my feeling and I'm going to own it. So I sat down, took my table for one and I had brought a book with me. So I had a, I had a prop. I wasn't just staring into space, although as a dreamer, I do love a bit of staring into space. But I have my book. So I opened my book and read it and then actually I closed it. And I did just sort of take time to, to look around me and listen to some of the conversations that were going on and notice this beautiful tabby cat who was sitting just underneath the window and she had little white paws and she jumped off and she sort of looked at me, you know, that way that cats look at you like, I see you, you see me, I'm just doing my own thing, thank you. And she walked off and started cleaning her paws by the fireplace. And I thought, do you know what, that cat, is who I want to be right now. And I sort of started to feel like I'm going to take on the cat. I'm going to embody this cat and I'm going to be alone and, and not lonely and proud of that independence. And my solo meal was absolutely delicious. Really enjoyed it. Read a bit more of my book. Um, the waiters and waitresses were lovely, kept checking in on me to make sure that I wasn't lonely. And I think that's the thing. If, if you are feeling lonely, to just push yourself a little, to take yourself out of that comfort zone or discomfort zone that you're in and, and find a social space. And I think you'll find those little mini connections that really mean something in that moment. So the newsletter is always a little story, a little personal example of, of something that's happened to me. Um, and I do that on purpose. I don't, I, I don't believe in using other people's stories without permission. And I've kind of played with it but I think it's it's works better when it's from the heart so from from me a little story and then it always has uh, three or four little nuggets of information and that's a curation 
of um, places around the internet where you can go to find out more information, find out more support. Um, and so you, you're really building this toolkit um, of places you can go and, and knowledge about what could happen so that you build that, as you said, Chris, resilience um, and ways to bounce back and noticing, noticing how you're feeling in that moment. That's something I tried to pull into it as well um, with the stories to kind of reflect back to you and say, you know, this is what, how I feel, what's happened to me. How about you? Like what's going on with you? Um, have you, do you recognize this? And um, could these things help you now or in the future? Why not build up your own toolkit? What I so loved is the idea of self-care from the point of view, I'm going to take myself out for dinner and then you metaphorically clean your own white paws by being truly present and having a true connection and a reciprocal exchange with another living creature by being just uh, courageous enough to be still rather than distract with your book. And I love the fact that you had the book, but you didn't use it, but only when you wanted to, you opened it to have a look and then you stayed present. Yeah, yeah, it was it was a really lovely experience and one I'll be repeating. Um, yeah, and it, and it and and I encourage you to do the same. Let me ask you the question: Have you have you been out for dinner with yourself, or have you taken yourself somewhere um, where you wouldn't have normally been alone? Well, the nature of my work before the pandemic was to be away quite a lot. So I was very lucky in that I could, well, lucky and unlucky, because it is a it is a conflicting space when you're having a dinner for one. I know there's a sort of um, a gender difference there as well, where stereotypically, you know, men or women feel differently when they're alone at a restaurant. But I love your sense of poise and grace and stillness in your ability to be to be still and on. And by the way, where I tend to take myself off is for a bike ride. But again, I know it's active. And so I, too, because I'm human, struggle with true presence, you know, the, the, the courage to be truly still. Yeah, um, but I think that's, you know, everybody. I think this is also what I look at with well-being and, and how I, I've also been working with um, students in this way is to think about what what is well-being. You know, it means so many things to so many people. Yes. And, and for if you ask a question, you'll find that some people say, oh, it's, um, you know, it's exercise, it's going to the gym. While other people might say, oh, it's mental health. Um, there's so many facets to yes. the understanding of the word well-being. And I find that in itself fascinating. There's also a lot of research and um, studies and models done um, to kind of formulate and put down on paper what is well-being. Here are the things you should do to maintain your well-being. Um, but all of that for me is, is the theory. And then what the reality is, is what you actually do for yourself and what you value. So you going on a bike ride is no less valuable than, than me sitting for a moment in a pub. And I think it's also appreciating yourself and having, having self-compassion and, and saying, but I do do, I do do these things, even if it is just taking a moment on a hot day to have a, have a glass of water. And Annalisa, thank you so much for your flexibility. It was yesterday I first spoke to you and I thought, oh, I've mucked up on the time slightly. So thank you so much for coming back in to share tinyletter.com hashtag Wellbeing Wednesday, which is where we can go and find out more about your wonderful, delicious intent to help us all with our well-being and our resilience. We are now going to use the dream door. I will see you for part two. Thank you so much. Anything else you'd like to say? And um, see you on the other side. See you on the other side. This has been... Annalisa Paul, this is the Good Listening To show. Be back soon for part two. Goodbye.
So we're still here. Welcome to part two. Huzzah with Anna Lisa Paul, who is a natural born storyteller. I called you Ms. Positive Pants at the very beginning. If you're able to watch this on Vimeo as well, you'll see that um, Annie Lisa has a, I keep calling you Annie as well, I know, because I, I, I know you're known as both. So I'm sorry if I keep stumbling onto that. But this is the Good Listening To show uh, where we're talking about a lovely clearing with Anna Lisa Paul, which is um, all about storytelling because it's that sort of, do you want to just describe what your clearing is again? I love this, Annie. Yes, Lisa. yes. So my clearing is the spaces in between. So um, we spoke before about, about think, imagining a roe deer coming in a forest. Imagine that roe deer getting to the edge of the forest and there's a beautiful sweep of grass and the sun's shining through the filtered leaves. And that roe deer is looking out and wondering whether to step into the clearing. And at this point, they're sort of on edge and they're ready to step forward and they're taking it all in and that is my clearing space that boundary the place where you're just ready to step into the next place and if you haven't already listened to part one please do because it also got extra deep in that we talked about being a dark space as well where fireflies are coming to illuminate the space we're in so yes this is lovely so the points in between was what was so effortlessly easy in actually the point between episode one and episode two is the point when you join me and Annalisa Paul back here in her delicious clearing and just as a tiny recap we were just talking about the the sort of positive pants akimbo of being yes and as a mindset we talked about the joy of improvisation and the yes and universe and we got to the point where we're in the canopy of your tree and we've just shaken out the four things that have shaped you huzzah and the yes and was all about the final point which is about creativity we also talked about near-death experiences as well which is very very profound and the popping point of a popping bit of peritonitis <laughs> no was it yeah that was that was the condition yeah. wasn't it? remember so there's lots to listen to recap for in part one so we're back in your tree and now we're going to talk about three things that inspire you annalisa paul ah oh, this is tough because inspiration for me is everywhere i'm naturally curious um and uh i just i find inspiration in everything so this was a real tough one and i'm going to refer to my notes to narrow it down otherwise we will be here for many many more episodes <laughs> so i think in the in the last episode as well you'll hear that i spoke about um play and about being immersed in play with my children in that time i took with them and um play always inspires me and I don't think it's just for children I think it's wrong for people to think it's for children and I don't just mean play in the theatre sense of the word either play is something we all do and I absolutely fundamentally believe that I think we play when we choose our outfits in the morning I think we play when we cook I think we play when uh, we we choose, you know, we, sport is an obvious one. We, we play all the time when we're creating things anew and imagining things and exploring and inventing. And I think if people shut out play in their lives, it's a sad, sad thing or box it up as something that, you know, is for children or something that I do with a team on Saturday when I play football. Play should be all around us and I find it incredibly inspirational and I try and build as much play into my life as possible. Um, and some people call me whimsical and that is cool with me. I'm totally fine about that. Um, 
And by the way, we did also riff on you being like a puck-like sprite. So that idea of accessing your inner child and play being all prevalent is a, is a wonderful thing, which, you know, I absolutely find relatable because I'm always accessing my inner silly. Yes, you are. You are. <laughs> and then I think, yeah, I love that as well, being the puck. So we, um, I, I've actually recently, it's an exciting opportunity because I, as I mentioned before, I'm working at the university, which is new for me. Um, you know, over the last three years, I started working at the, at the University West of England. And this year, I have been awarded some research funding woo, um, to find out more about play, creativity and well-being and how the three link in higher education because of course I work for the arts faculty so I'm working with creative students all the time and some uh, people I think become stifled by by the idea that their creativity is something that has to be professionalized um, has to be delivered for a sum of money um, and is a state becomes a status thing so, you know, they have to become, they're thinking, they're studying film and they want to be the next Steven Spielberg or something. And I think, well, let me tell you about this fantastic woman I met, Freya Billington. Freya Billington is a uh, film course leader and she was working for University West of England and has now recently set up the new film course at Suma. And Freya set up this fantastic module called Craft Lab in which a film student must not study film. They must find something that they've always wanted to do or something that they think is completely undoable and they must do it. And the whole point of the module is that they try it, i.e. they're playing. And at the end of it, they give an account of that period and they don't have to produce anything, but people do produce the most fantastic things. I've worked with people who've made swords, actually forged their own swords. Um, I've worked with people who have decided that they're going to recreate a painting in 3D. Um, and this particular, this particular student I'm thinking of brought this painting that he bought in Morocco. And it's of a man sitting down on a low stool wearing um, the traditional dress and it's obviously a very hot day and he's got these piles of earthenware pots around him and he says I he comes into my office and he says I want to make this and I said okay great well wh what do you want to make and he said oh, well, I want to make it the whole thing I'm going to dress up like that guy and then I'm going to build the stall and I'm going to throw all those pots so I can sit in with them and I'm going to I'm going to become the painting wow. <laughs> I know so this is what this play module is all about and I was like well let's do it yes let's do it so um got him on a wheel got him throwing he obviously realized that wasn't gonna happen in the time he had to have the module but he still went for it and he made what he could these wonky shonky pots um he dressed up um he went into the wood workshop and built himself a little a little stall and chucked a bit of fabric and Bob's your uncle he's become the painting I love that. And also just the notion of I'm just going to throw a few pots out there. So get on a potter's wheel and start throwing pots. I love that. Yeah. And, um, you know, I've spoke to Freya recently and, and she was speaking to a student on, on Zoom and she noticed on the shelf next to him, he had one of the pots and she said, oh, you still got your pot. And he said, yeah, do you know what? That's the best thing I ever made at university. And I think the fact that people have to go out and do something completely outside of their comfort zone, have to explore, have to experiment, and there's no judgment on what they've made. There's only a, 
yes, you did that and how brilliant that you went and did it. Remind me beautifully, there's that lovely other model of, of risk, which is uh, three concentric circles. And you've got your own three concentric circles of storytelling model, which uh, again, I would really invite you to talk about. But um, the three concentric circles about risk are comfort, risk, panic. And obviously nobody wants anyone to panic. But as we know, if you get too comfortable, it can get a bit comfortable. We like it, but it's a bit complacent. So we always need to be swimming out from the reef a bit woo, to get a bit yeah. risky. Love that. Coming back boundaries, Chris, just stepping into the unknown a little bit. Yes. Stepping away from the clearing and then back into the clearing when you want to get warm. I love that. So that's only one thing that's inspired me, which is, which is the play. But I will, will touch on two other things because I need to give three. So people not like me is my second. Oh, by the way, just before, like we move into, yeah. just before we move into people like me, just name the name of the course. You said a new film course and then I heard the word Satsuma. So what did you say? Ah, Boom Satsuma. Have you heard oh, yes. of Boom Satsuma? I yeah. have heard That's of Boom based Satsuma. In Bristol. Based in Bristol. It's a new way of educating um, an alternative to traditional higher education. Um, they've got some great courses and Freya Billington, Freya Billington is heading up the new film um, degree there. So when you talk about Mr. Morocco and his pots, do they end up making a film like a documentary of his journey to that realisation of his, his, his... No, this is the beautiful thing. It's, it's just the experience of making the pots. Um, and in terms of, of telling the story at the end of the module, they can do that in whatever way they like. They don't have to make a film. They could do it as a presentation. They could, um, you know, do it as a PowerPoint, something dull like that. They could do it as a, um, any way they want. And in my world, I would probably try and do it using the gift of dance, you know, interpret it. In instant wit, the comedy improvisation company I'm part of, you know, there is this thing where we solve major social issues by using the gift of dance. And of course, the, the, the worse we can be, the more, the more of a gift it is to the audience in how awful it is in a good way. Hurrah. <laughs> <laughs> so sorry, we're back now to you said people not like you. People not like me are always a source of inspiration because... I'm curious about things and these are new things that I've never experienced and things that I don't know about. So, um, you know, no one is like me really. And no one is like you really, because we're all completely, utterly unique. But we are all individuals. If I can just bear say that to you. We are, we are. Um, and I suppose what I mean is um, people and cultures and societies not like me. And I'm not unfortunately lucky enough to have traveled very far and wide. However, I do seek out experiences to um, to listen to other people's stories because I'm fascinated by storytelling. And one of the best places I've found listen to people not like me is a project called the Empathy Museum, which I suggest everyone Googles. Fantastic, fantastic project. Um, and it started with a giant human shoebox on Tower Bridge. So imagine a shoebox that you could get inside um, and it was sitting on the middle of Tower Bridge. This is how the Empathy Museum started. And inside the shoebox were shoes that were donated from people from all walks of life. So from surgeons to underground drivers, to prostitutes, to care workers, um, anyone that you can think of, there would be a pair of shoes there and one pair would fit you. So you would walk in, you would have your feet measured and you'll be given the pair of shoes that fit your feet. And then you would be given an audio tape and a pair of headphones. Um, and you go and walk a mile in that person's shoes. Whoa. Mm -hmm. 
very profound experiences. And I think that we should all walk a mile in as many people's shoes as we can. Um, and in the in the history of time, how long ago, how old was this project? Because obviously there's been the pandemic, so it must have been pre-pandemic. Yes, yeah. Um, so I found out about it, a wonderful storytelling conference that I used to go to called The Story. Um, and I think it was probably about six years ago. Um, but if you look up the Empathy Museum, there yeah. are now many, many, many more stories and they are available online. And obviously you won't be able to wear that person's shoes, but you can go for a walk for a mile and listen to their story. Um, and I just recommend everybody does that, you know, taking time to listen to someone else, to empathise, to join them on that walk is, is incredibly valuable and enriching. And so profound. We've all heard the adage, obviously, take a mile, you know, to truly understand a fellow human being, you need to take a, wall, a, a mile long walk in their shoes. I had no idea there was a tangible physical art installation that did the same thing. I, I love that. Yeah. yeah. And, and, I, and I don't think it's back touring yet, but when it is, I urge you to go um, and try it. I remember experiencing something very profoundly different, but similar in its connection, which was uh, going to the Holocaust Museum way back when in Washington, where you end up picking, uh, you get given a, or attributed a prisoner identity or, or a, you know, a, a concentration camp, um, real human being. And then you work out during the exhibition whether you survive the Holocaust or not. So again, this extraordinary way of, making the connection really seismic, really impactful and profound. Um, mm. you know, shocking and disturbing and profound and incredibly compelling. Yeah, but it, how important is it? I mean, you, I think that we, uh, we're bombarded with so many stories now. You know, uh, I, I say I'm a storyteller, but there's so many people that everyone, everyone in, in one way or another is a storyteller. Stories. I think the important thing is is really listening to which stories you're taking in and yes. having a, a awareness of that um, and looking to go outside of your own bubble, looking to understand others' experiences and taking the time, really important to take the time to, um, to, to take that in because I think only if we build, only, you know, building compassion will, will make the world a better place. Um, and we can't do that unless we have the time or, or energy or empathy around that. And there's a really delicious sort of acting technique in that, that, you know, the actor's joy of realising an author's or a creative mind's story, realising the story of somebody else is what empathy is all about, which is why the best actors are really good listeners, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's my that's second. That's the most gorgeous immersion in empathy, the idea of literally walking a mile in somebody else's shoes. So the Empathy Museum, just to put the cherry on the cake of that, is what you said people should Google. And I thank you for that. Absolutely. You know, I'm really, if you take one thing from this, take that. <laughs> By the way, it made me, so it, we... remind, it reminded me also, Annie, the best exhibition I ever saw was the Sunshine Exhibition at the Tate Modern. And I'm trying to remember the name of the practitioner, but it's, um, you know, I'll, I'll attach it to the programme notes maybe, but the, the Sunshine Exhibition at the Tate Modern, if you Google that, that was the most extraordinary experience of the entire Turbine Hall. Did you see it, by the way, what I'm talking about? Yes, I did. And, and I am also terrible with names. Um, but yeah, I, 
I, I also found it incredibly profound. And I think that if people Google it, they will see how, um, they will see the hall, the turbine hall covered with bodies of people just lying, <laughs> bathing in this sunlight. Because the whole back wall, just to, for those that haven't seen it, but do Google it, as you should, the Empathy Museum, based on what Annie was, Annalisa was just talking about, the entire back wall was this extraordinary, absolutely pulsing, majestic sunshine. So like moths to a flame. And then the really clever thing I remember in terms of interacting with art was the ceiling about 300 feet up was all paved, you know, all tiled with, with mirrors. And it just made people go oh, and bliss out as we all lay there. And they didn't say come in and lie down. It's just what people did. And it was this idea of moths to a flame. And in, in a way, and, and by the way, I'm riffing on this, that has become my clearing also. It's towards the sunlight of something that's going to draw you into a clearing space, which I think about as my coaching energetic space, almost like towards the sunlight of what it is you're here to talk about. So, so even storytelling is coming into the, to the sunlight, to the place where you feel warmed by another human being's story. Yeah, Chris. And also what you do is, is you hold up that mirror above someone's head and let them see themselves. Oh, thank you for that. I hadn't realised there was also that connection, but thank you. And uh, humbly, thank you. Yes. <laughs> Hurrah. And by the way, um, we're still talking now about the three things that have shaped you. That was the lovely thing about people who aren't like you. This is, sorry, inspiring you, not shape you. And just while you begin to tell me the next thing, I'm going to quickly Google the Sunshine Exhibition. So I can sound more okay, coherent. Go for it. Go for it. So um, uh, the the last thing that inspires me is pollarded trees. Pollarded, pollarded trees. Yes. So every day I take a walk in my park with my dog, and um, there's a avenue of huge plane trees, as there are in many cities with parks. And these plane trees look like I don't know. I'm guessing maybe like hundred years old maybe 80 something anyway I know plane trees grow quite fast but their roots are bound in tarmac which is cracking at the edges their trunks are lifting high and at the top of them is these gnarly nodules where every year these poor things get hacked back and I think that they do it because they don't want the roots to grow too big to crack up the tarmac more but wow how inspiring Imagine if every year you're busy growing and growing, you're putting all your energy into reaching for that sunlight and someone comes with a great big bloody chainsaw and hacks your arm. <laughs> <laughs> and then the next year you just go, oh, here we go again. Woo, when you reach up and you do it again. And I just think that is inspiring. Wow. Go pollarded trees, keep sprouting. And did you call them pollarded trees? P-O-L-L-A-R-D. Yep, so the process of cutting back is called pollarding. Go, thank you for educating us here on the UK Health Radio and the podcast space of pollarded trees. And by the way, close to where you live is where I have a complete happy place, which is the tennis court there as well. And the trees in that park are moments of complete bliss and happiness because the sun comes through those trees in extraordinary ways whenever it's out. Mm, I, yeah, exactly. Another thing I urge people to do is notice, notice. I, often people say to me, how can you walk around the same park, the same park every day? Well, because you notice stuff when you just walk the same place. And it's never the same because nature is never the same and the light is never the same. And the combination that. of things that will be around you is never the same. So, yeah, I think it's not boring. Just notice more. 
yes, good advice right the way round there. And uh, by the way, just to sound extra coherent, Olafia Eliasson is the uh, Sunshine Exhibition. Olafur, O-L-A-F-U-R, Eliasson. And, and Olafur Ellison. Thank you. And it's, it, it is the most compelling exhibition that we've been talking about that I've ever seen, which is fantastic. Yes, so... He also did a fantastic thing, actually, just to sort of... He's a great artist. He also did a fantastic thing where he got... Um, it was for one of the G7 summits quite a few years ago. He went to the Arctic and brought back enormous pieces of iceberg and put them in, I think it was Copenhagen, or it was wherever the summit was, put them there so that the world leaders would see the ice melting oh. really in front of their eyes. Wonderful. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, just wanted to add no, that no, in there. That's a brilliant yes and build. See what you did there on something else extra, extra brilliant that he has done. Fantastic. Um. So that was my three things. I think Pollard did trees, a play, and people not like me. Lovely. Great tree shakeage. Now we're on to two things that never fail to hoot squirrels and grab your attention. Um, here we are with Annalisa Paul. Ah, delicious food, Chris. Delicious food. I am a foodie, um, unashamedly a foodie. Um, so to illustrate this point, we were on a family holiday in the south of France and we were driving through the countryside on a lovely warm summery day not particularly looking for lunch however we turned left on the corner of a big field and just on the corner of that big field was a lovely sort of bistro place um, and it was probably about 11 11 30 a.m something like that we turned left and we had all the windows down being a sunny day and this waft just made its way into the car and all four of us sitting in the room. Oh, that smells good. And no sooner had we done that out breath. I was driving, by the way, I put my foot on the brake and I put the gears into reverse and I reversed back to the bistro. I pulled into the park, car park and I walked through that door. And I said in my poorest French, avez-vous un table pour four? <laughs> or quatre, <laughs> even. <laughs> and, uh, and a lady uh, looked at me and, of course, replied in French. Um, I couldn't really understand. Anyway, after some hand signals and stuff, we understood that she would sit us down for lunch. I'm and assuming she said we, as in we do have. She said we. She said we. <laughs> we do have a table for four. <laughs> and she sat us down um, and it was very old fashioned and it was the plat du jour so there was no choice but it was an incredible incredible lunch and we still talk about it in my family today and that is um, yeah delicious food will always grab my attention will even make me reverse down a road and enter an unknown place ordering my worst <laughs> worst pigeon french to get that Food. Do you know what? That sounds like a perfect day, the perfect meal as you slam the brakes down, clunk into reverse and go screaming in for your table for four. I love that. Yeah. The stuff so of food. legends, a lunchtime <laughs> legend. Stuff of lunchtime legends. Um, the other thing is song. Song, just uh, human, human voice and singing just gives me absolute joy. And I've got to say that I don't even really care if the person singing is 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 completely out of tune. I love 
the fact that people use their voices. Um, because I think it's like you were speaking about dance earlier. Dance and song are within all of us and just bring absolute joy and resonate the body in ways that you can't imagine until you do it. They will lift you out of any, any dark, dull places you are. Try yes. it. Just try it. Open your lungs and sing. Give yourself a little jiggle. You'll feel make, better. And make your heart sing. And by the way, you've just just this morning, I was at Ashton Fruit and Vegetable in North Street. And what I love about that, there's always the radio on. And, and one of the very nice chaps that's there as a sort of constant for your fruit and veggies, completely and utterly, and I mean this really kindly, you won't be listening anyway, but utterly tone deaf. And I really love the fact that he always sings full throttle, but it's always the wrong tune. And I love that. It's very entertaining. Uh, you're not talking about the East Street guy? Uh, no, I'm talking about North Street uh, opposite the deli. Okay, good. I should, I should try that one. I, I'm thinking of the East Street man. Do you know him? Get your eyes, Bruce. Don't know. Only get a I don't, I don't lose him, but, it, Sorry. but <laughs> I know it's the chap who's called, he's, he's Mark's brother, because I don't know the chap who's singing Tone Deaf, but I think of them as Mark and Tone Deaf. I love that. <laughs> but get your ass, Priest. Yes, sorry. No, sorry. <laughs> so song, but not necessarily out of tune, but just let your heart sing is what we're talking about here. Mm -hmm. Those are the, oh, squirrels, always full throttle singing. And the joy of saying, lovely. Now I believe we're onto one quirky or unusual fact about you, Annalisa Paul, that we couldn't possibly know about you until you tell us. It may surprise you to know, Chris Grimes, that I am the proud owner of a small piece of Bavarian forest in Germany. Ooh, go strange you. but true. So t tell us more, please. So um, I am half German and this uh, piece of Bavarian forest was given in a dowry um, to uh, one of my ancestors. And over time, the, the piece of forest has been divided as people have inherited it. But I went to visit uh, as a memorial service for my German family, which had been set up by the forest people. Um, it's all, I mean, it is all incredibly traditional living there. It's, it's really sort of deep in the countryside in Bavaria. And um, my family flew out because the woodsman called Hermann, who we fondly called Hermann the German, he um, had carved a huge cross in honour of my family in Germany. And it stands on this rock in um in the Bavarian forest in our piece of forest so we had to go out for this memorial service um there's no access up into the forest it's really really sort of um gnarly big rock riverbeds and you drive up in this incredible um thing called unimog which uh is like makes a land rover look like a, an ant it's got enormous wheels maybe like you know six foot plus high um, and it drives up riverbeds and then you get up to the top and there is a clearing, Chris, there's a clearing in the forest. Um, and they set up this huge fire pit. Of course, they were grilling sausages aplenty on top. There was loads of beer and people literally were coming out of the trees. Um, and it was just the most incredible experience to be in this forest, which has been handed down through generations and generations of my family. It's quite an overwhelming experience, actually. 
And so I couldn't geographically show you, oh, this is my little piece of forest. But um, uh, yeah, my name's on, on deeds and, uh, and I own that. Go you. So you, you, you beautifully described them as being the forest people that came out of the canopies that day, complete with sausages, beer. It sounds like a heaven on earth place. So could you find it again without the use of that vehicle? What did you call the vehicle? The Unimog. You broke up beautifully there. The Unimog, did you say? You got it. Yes. Wow. Uh, so how long ago did we have our moment in clearing with your Bavarian cross? Oh, I think maybe eight, eight years ago, something like that. And it's protected to this day because you have the deeds of it and the forest is still there. It, it sounds epically yeah. big because of the scale of the vehicle that gets you there. It does, doesn't it? But I think actually the forest is um, on the border of, of the Czech Republic and Germany. And it, it's, it's a big forest. It's not enormous. And the, the size... I'm not, I don't even know, you know, I don't even know how many hectares we've got, but it's split between, I'm one of four, so it's between me and my brothers and sisters. Um, yeah. And I don't they, know what did to they do host you as the queen? If anybody's got an idea of what to do with a bit of Bavarian forest, let me know. And because of your puck-like nature as well, I mean, did they, did they herald you as the queen of the forest that day? The sort of Titania has returned. <laughs> I, you know, I didn't want to take up too much space. <laughs> I, I certainly gallivanted through the forest and there's um, wild blueberries there as well. So I, so I did consume a lot of little blueberries and um, yeah, just enjoyed myself. It was good. I love that. that. That's a very cool, unusual fact. Thank you very much indeed for the Bavarian forest. So what's your German, if you weren't to be married and called Paul, what would your German nanic, Germanic name be? Oh, well, I'm not married. And Powell is my German name. Ah, yes, yes, yes. So it's Annalisa Powell. And I, Annalisa Powell. Annalisa yeah. Powell. And I like the fact you talked about Herman the German with his sausages and his big vehicle. Perfect. Lovely. So now I think we're shaking a tree. Hurrah and huzzah. And now we stay in the clearing. We move away from the tree and we're talking about alchemy and gold now. Uh, when you are at purpose and in flow, Annalisa Powell, Paul, uh, what are you most happiest doing, would you say? Ah, this is a tricky one. And I, I've got to refer to my notes because I had to think about because I, I, I get I you know, I do get a lot of joy from life. So I think I'm probably, you know, that noticing thing that I spoke about. Um, I think when I'm on a journey and we spoke about being in transition and being between two places, so either walking or on a train or, or somewhere where I can really notice things, that's, that's where I am feel most in flow. Um, and in terms of purpose, what do you want me to say about that? Purpose is um, the idea of when you are here to reveal what you do best for the world, with the world, alongside the world. What are you here to reveal? It's also rather deliciously yeah. called the diamonds beneath your feet. You know, what are you here to reveal to the world? So not just when you are personally yeah. your happiest, but when you when you're revealing your purpose. Yeah, purpose is an interesting one. And, and I'm asking you what, what you want from that, because I've worked with people as a storyteller to try and help them understand their purpose. And that's kind of taken a bit from the Simon Sinek's why um, idea. And I kind of gone off the idea, to be honest, because I feel that um, purpose can change. Um, purpose can 
and and purpose maybe comes from other people's perception yes. rather than mine of myself um i i feel like i am working towards my purpose i love the japanese idea of ikigai which i'm sure yeah. you're familiar with um and that, that is energetic intersection point between what you love what the world wants and how you can add what it is or, or bring what you do is the ikigai so again that's worth googling if you don't know about that yeah and um and i feel like i'm on a constant journey towards that um and the ikigai concept is that you will never you know there's very very few people in the world who reach that point of absolute um alignment with their purpose Definitely, it has something to do for me with being creative, with helping others to realise their creativity, realise the, the deep well of resources they have to support their own well-being. It's at some sort of intersection between those things. Love that. And by the way, I loved your observation that it's often about how others perceive us in terms of purpose. You know, during the pandemic, uh, the in the logo of the Good Listening To podcast, it's because a friend who I hadn't seen for ages screamed to a halt with his son behind him. And as they rode off, having had surviving the zombie apocalypse stories, the son said to his dad, who was that? And he went, oh, that was Chris. And he said, what does he do? And I happened to overhear. And the dad said, oh, that's Chris. He's a he's a he's a motivational comedian. And then off they squeaked. And as I was left there in my own clearing of that moment, I thought, boom, I'll take that because it's about using you know, comedy and happiness and optimism and perspective to be a motivational comedian. And it's there to help people. But that was a, that was not my moniker. That was somebody else telling me what I brought to the world, which I thought was very uh, insightful in a way that I'd never have stumbled upon that maxim for myself. Yeah, I mean, it's so much easier as well to ask other people, what do you think I do? Or, you know, and just listen to their responses or what do, what can I, what, how did I help you? And just listen. Yes. Um, and that often tells you a lot more than you can ever work out for yourself by going round and round in your head. Absolutely. And by the way, we're segueing now beautifully into Beyond Alchemy and, and Gold. We're now going to award you with a cake, Annalisa Paul, for gracing us with your presence here in the Good Listening To uh, show and podcast clearing your life and times with me, Chris Grimes. And so this is, again, a, a deliciously rich metaphor whereby the cherry on the cake is yours to interpret. It can be stuff like a favourite inspirational quote that's always given you sucker and pulled you towards your future. What's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? It, it can be some, all or none. And then what advice might you offer to a younger version of yourself? And then here comes the cheeky bit of Shakespeare, inspired by Shakespeare's all the world's a stage and all the men and women merely players. How, when all is said and done, Annalisa Paul, would you most like to be remembered? And we get all existential on your ears and talk about legacy. So big, juicy Factor Kimbo, over to you. Okay, voila, here is your cherry, Chris Grimes. Um, my cherry is, you know me and you don't know me. And that was taken from the International School of Storytelling, which is in Sussex, is a fantastic place. And I did a, a worked there for a week with a guy called Ashley Ramsden, who's a, who's a very traditional um, storyteller. And we did loads of fun, silly, playful exercises to draw out lots of stories. And one of them was called You Know Me and You Don't Know Me. And we got to stand for a minute in front of the group and just talk about ourselves, just jibbery-jabbery like we we're doing here in a way. Um, and then you feel like you get to know that person, don't you? Like you probably feel like you've got to know me over this, over this time. But 
obviously people are so much richer. So I think in the vein of getting to know people not like you and listening and taking time and all of those things, don't forget, no matter how much you know someone, you also, you don't know more. And there's so much more you can find out. I love that. And that is deliciously linked to your lovely three concentric circles of storytelling model because the, what you've described there is the not knowing me is the epicentric piece which is the private story do you want to quickly we've not got very much time but just quickly describe the three concentric storytelling circles okay so as chris put his hands together like this in a fist let's start with that so in the if very center you imagine a dartboard in the very center of this is your private stories the ones that you don't tell anyone you may not tell your Self. Also, I like to call it the black hole because it has that kind of infinity element to it and sucks things into it. Um, the next one is your um, uh, personal stories. And th these are things which are close to you and you may share them with only a few people. So your nearest and dearest. And obviously there's a proximity to the black hole. So there'll be things that are more personal and things that are less personal. Um, which will lead you into your outer layer, which are your public stories. And these are stories that you are happy to share with anyone. They're all the stuff you post on social media. They're the stuff you chat about when you bump into Chris Grimes in the park. There's all the stuff um, that you can share with anyone and everyone in your day to day. And what I work with is the link between the personal and the public, the little bridge that hops between the two areas. Um, and I believe that's the space where you really get to know someone and you start to form those empathetic connections. Beautiful. And what I really also took from it in the black hole, uh, yeah, the epicentric piece, I, I really found it profound because apparently I, I remember riffing with you. There are about four or five stories knocking about in your head that you'll never tell a soul. And I, I just love the <laughs> profundity of that. It's very, it's a very beautiful model and I use it a lot thanks to you gifting that to me. And, and so right back at you, if I can thank you for it and credit you for it. As I've credited somebody else for giving me the 54321 exercise that also forms the part of the shapage of what we're here to discuss. So I love that you know me and you don't know me. Uh, when all is said and done, how would you most like to be remembered? Let's go to the Shakespeare. Uh, well, I'm going to pick up on what you've just said. Um, I actually wrote uh, a eulogy <laughs> as part of a creative well-being uh, course that I went on, and it was to do with grief and death and dying. Um, and it was a great experience. I recommend everybody does it. So my, my eulogy um, was about being a strange fruit. And it was just a joke, really. And I hope that I give people joy. I hope that I make people smile. And if I am remembered as someone who, who always looked on the bright side of life, that will give me joy as I get munched by worms way down under. Makes me think of Life of Brian as well there. <laughs> That's lovely. Absolutely. It's from always, Life of Brian. I always, have that song in my head. <laughs> always look on the bright side of life. Lovely. So, so just let it hang there as your final statement. What, what do you want us to remember you for? Just say it again to reposition it. I hope that you remember me as someone who always looks on the bright side of life. Wow. Bit of silence. Where can we find out more about you on the internet, Annalisa Paul? You can find me on LinkedIn. 
Um, there's also a link on LinkedIn to my Wellbeing Wednesday newsletter, which is a bi-weekly newsletter to give busy people a little nudge to help you remember your well-being is important. Um, you can also find me on my website, which is www.extraordinarystory.co.uk. Annalisa, you have indeed been an extraordinary story. So extraordinary, in fact, we've managed to deliciously segue using your own structure between two episodes. Buy one, get one free. Two episodes for the price of one. No extra charge. You're welcome. <laughs> you have been listening to the delight and uh, lovely friend, I'm proud to say, Annalisa Paul. This has been uh, me, Chris Grimes, on The Good Listening To Show, Your Life and Times with me, Chris Grimes. Uh, so until next time, come back to the clearing for more delicious stories. To your good health. And anything you'd like to say finally, Annalisa? Thank you for listening. And good night. So, yes, it's Chris Grimes here. I've just left myself spookily a bit of extra time. I've got a couple of minutes just to riff on a theme of uh, saying thank you to my very good guest and good friend, Annalisa Paul, the natural born storyteller, but also to tell you more about the construct of the Good Listening To show, Your Life and Times with Mika Grimes, from the point of view of how else you out there in the listenership can also get involved as well, because some of, of some exciting new series strands to the podcast. So what you've been listening to so far, obviously, is the Good Listening To show on UK Health Radio. Then the podcast version of it gets pulled into Buzzsprout, where the main frame of the good listening to life and times with me chris grimes resides uh, and annie is a part of what's called my curated list as in people that come into my um i suppose into my into my awareness of people out there who are creative individuals and who have a, an interesting story to be told so uh, very that's called my curated list, um, which is a delicious list of, of really, really enjoyable conversations. Uh, my all-time comic hero is Dan Laurel. Uh, my all-time comic uh, living hero is Michael Palin. So he doesn't quite know this yet, but I'm coming for him someday to give him his good listening to. And that's just, uh, you know, I'm on the open road of speaking to everybody, including Michael Palin, and all you in between as you come into my awareness of being a creative individual with an interesting story to be told. Huzzah. So I did promise to tell you about the various series strands. Um, so The Good Listening To is the sort of overarching umbrella title of it all. And then there's something called Brand Strand. You know, I work as a facilitator and as a coach within the corporate arena as well. I am a drama teacher, an actor and a comedy improvisation performer by training and background. But over the years, I've, I've changed those transferable skills into being the facilitator and the coach that I am. So within the um, construct of the I suppose the corporate arena, there are a couple of ways to specifically get involved. One is called Brand Strand, where I shape an episode of the show, the construct, the podcast, around a particular company or brand to amplify your company or personal brand. And that's where we can go a little bit deeper into you know, what's brought you into the clearing of the current remit that you have within the job role, the company that you're in. And then in terms of purpose, we can also go a bit deeper into what it is your brand is here to reveal to the world. So, yes, it's still using the same strong storytelling construct, but going a bit extra deep into, the, um, I suppose, the depth that's allowed by talking about um, purpose and what you're here to reveal to the world. So that's one strand called Brand Strand. Another one is called Leadership Reflections. Now, that's for if you out there are a senior leader or manager within an organisation, Maybe you're about to segue between one job and the next, and you'd like to, I suppose, share your leadership lessons learned along your way that you'd like to share 
retrospectively for those that are coming along behind you in terms of succession planning. Or it could be that you're coming up to um, having finished your illustrious career thus far before you decide what's next. And you'd just like to, I suppose, play forward You know, in, in your wake. What are the lessons you'd like to share that have always pulled you towards your future? So leadership reflections is a way of getting, I suppose, the slight danger is within the corporate arena. And in my conversation with Annie, we were talking about you know the, the the public story a lot of corporate organizations can actually sell tell a bit of a sort of arm's length transactional story which which has the slight danger as i said using that well deliberately of not being particularly engaging or interesting so the idea of leadership reflections is to uh, do, give you a creative structure and strategy to be able to tell um you know your business story in a way that's slightly more compelling uh, that goes way beyond just hello who are you and what do you do? So it uses a storytelling construct of, you know, what's brought you to this leadership clearing that you find yourself in. And um, th this can make, you know, who is the real person that lies behind the leader is what leadership reflections can help you reveal. And then finally, there's also a really lovely, extra, extra exciting series, Strand and Thrust to the podcast, which is called Legacy Life Reflections. And this is deliberately meant to be extra seismic and have extra depth pertaining to when all is said and done, inspired by Shakespeare and all the world's a stage and all the men and women merely players, each man or woman in their time have many exits and entrances, their parts being seven ages, their acts rather being seven ages. Um, it, this is a, a real opportunity to go extra, extra deep into legacy and how you'd most like to be remembered. So extra depth there in getting people to really storytelling in a way where, OK, you've, you've, you've got several life's lessons learned along your way. And then therefore, how would you most like to be remembered? And of course, the rich opportunity here is that you can also gift the construct of it, whereby I'll wrap an episode of the podcast with its rich storytelling uh, structure around a particular individual that you'd most like to capture the story of for posterity. So if you'd like to get in touch with me about the Good Listening To show and all of its various series strands, um, you can contact me directly at chris at secondcurve.uk. Secondcurve.uk is my, I suppose, corporate thrust uh, website in terms of me being a, a facilitator, a coach and uh, able to I suppose, give people a good listening to in the corporate arena. So if you'd like to contact me directly, it's chris at secondcurve.uk. There's also a Facebook group dedicated to the Good Listening To show as well. And there's also hashtag lol virus if you fancy a bit of a lol on the daily. So I'm just extra, extra riffing. That's another Facebook group, the lol virus one. That's even got Stan Laurel as our cheery group mascot to guide us along the way. So yes, I was just using the fact that I parked up with a little bit of time on my hands uh, having listened to this episode with Annalisa Paul, the natural storyteller that she was. So thank you very much indeed for listening. Until next week, please welcome back to The Clearing for more wonderful stories, to your good health and goodbye. You've been listening to The Good Listening To Show here on UK Health Radio with me, Chris Grimes. Oh, it's my son. 
If you've enjoyed the show, then please do tune in next week to listen to more stories from The Clearing. If you'd like to connect with me on LinkedIn, then please do so. There's also a dedicated Facebook group for the show too. You can contact me about the programme, or if you'd be interested in experiencing some personal impact coaching with me, care of my Level Up Your Impact programme, that's chris at secondcurve.uk. On Twitter and Instagram, it's... At that Chris Grimes. So until next time, from me, Chris Grimes, from UK Health Radio, and from Stan... To your good health. And goodbye.